following is a podcast of Echo, a middle school ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash middle school. Awesome. Hey, Echo, how are you guys? Good, good. Can we make it a little bit brighter in here? It's kind of dark, and I just want to see all of your beautiful faces. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Alyssa. Hey, my name is Alyssa, and Ben and I, we get to Pastor Echo, and it is such a privilege. And I just want you guys to know, we missed you the last two weekends. It's weird not being able to be at church, but I'm so glad that we're back. And if you're new with us or you have no idea who I am, please come introduce yourself to me after service. I would love to meet you and get to know you. But I want each and every single person in here to know that you are welcomed when you come in here, that you belong, and we love you so, so much, and I'm just so glad that you all are here on this beautiful day in May. So last week, Rachel Zabila spoke on the first week of our series, The Fight. Let's give it up for Rachel. She did an awesome job. Love her. So this week, I'm going to continue that series, and then next week, how many of you guys have heard Mark Consolo speak before? Raise a, okay, he's going to be here next week. He's an amazing communicator, so make sure that you come out and that you see him. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father God, I just thank you for each individual in this room. God, I ask that you speak to their heart what exactly it is that they need to hear, that they leave this room changed by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask you guys to turn to the book of James, chapter 3, verse 3, and I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So a little bit about the book of James. If you've never read it, it's a short read, so make sure that you read it. But James is supposed to be, they believe it was written by James, the brother of Jesus, and that he was writing to Christians. But they're not just any Christians. They're Christians who, on Sunday at church, they look like they have it together. They look like they are prayered up. They look like they love Jesus. They talk the talk. They walk the walk. But as soon as they go to school, as soon as they go to work, they look completely different than they did on Sunday. And these people believe, I'm good. I said that prayer. I gave my heart to Jesus. I can do whatever I want. And James is like, no, 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 no. That is not how this works. And so I'm going to give you some truth today. Is that okay? might punch in the throat a little bit, but I want you to know that God's heart is for us to not be phony. He doesn't want us to be fake because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And I want to tell you today that if you're a Christian, he's called you to look different than the world looks. He doesn't want you to look the same. He wants you to look different so that when people see you, they say, hmm, what is it about that person that is so different? And so our focus today is going to be on taming the tongue. Taming the tongue, which if you don't know what that means, that's Christianese for controlling what you speak, controlling what you say. So James 3.3 says this, Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze, and the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. Growing up, 
my family, we always had dogs. Where's my dog lovers? Yeah. So we didn't just have the little lap dogs. My parents liked to get the big dogs. Not like a Great Dane, not like a Mastiff, but they were still like a 75-pound dog. They still have a dog to this day that's huge. And so we would walk our dogs, and when I lived at home, I would help my parents walk the dogs. And my little mom, who if you've never seen my mom, she's a five-foot-nothing Italian woman that has no meat on her body. So she doesn't have a lot of power. She doesn't have a lot of muscle. And so my little mom would take this thin leash and walk this big, gigantic dog. And so we'd be walking, we'd be talking. And if you've ever walked a dog, you know that they get distracted very easily. They see a squirrel and then they try to run after the squirrel. Or they see this bush, and they have to run and pee on the bush for whatever reason it is. And so they get distracted, and they can run off at any moment. So my mom and I, were walking these dogs, these big dogs, and all of a sudden one tries to run off, and all my mom has to do is go, Shh, and pull on that little leash. My little mom, my tiny mom, that looks like she has no power, has power over that gigantic dog, that forceful dog. It doesn't look like she has much to her, but she's able to control that big and mighty dog. And it's the same way with our tongues. Our tongue looks small. Our words seem insignificant. They just seem like syllables. But when they come out of our mouth, the Bible says that when we speak, we either speak life or death. And it actually controls the course of our lives. It dictates if we're going to go down this path or if we're going to go down that path. So what we think doesn't matter actually is very important because we can speak life over ourselves or we can speak death over ourselves. So my first point for you is what we say matters. What we say matters. And as Christians, I want to encourage you that your words are even more important because you are a representative of God. And everywhere you go, every word that you speak, every post that you post, everything you put on Instagram is a representative of God. And if God wouldn't say it, if God wouldn't post it, then why are you? And so anywhere we go, we can choose to speak something that's life. We can choose to speak something that's healing. We can choose to speak something that's restorative. We can choose to be nice. We can choose to be encouraging. We can choose to do all those things. Or we can choose to say something nasty to people. And whenever we speak, I know we don't know what's exactly. We can't see the repercussions. We can't see the result. But I want you to know that every word that comes out of your mouth is either helping somebody or it's causing a wound in somebody's life. Last week, Rachel started to talk about spiritual battle. She explained that we're in this spiritual battle, and she talked about our weapons, that we have the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. I almost forgot it there. But this week, I want to talk to you about a different weapon that you have, and that is our mouth. And that is our words. We can choose to speak mass destruction or we can choose to speak words that are life-giving, that are uplifting, that are healing, that are encouraging. And so if you've ever been, if you've ever played any game where you're pretending to be in battle, played any video game, you know that the whole goal is to conquer what the other team has, right? You want to take back something that they have. You want to take back either something you lost or something that you never had. And that's how you win the battle. And so when you walk around, when you're at school, when you're wherever you're at, 
remember that there's people whose lives are filled with darkness. They've never met the life of Jesus. They've never seen his light. They've never come in contact with his goodness. And so you are that representative. And when you speak, your words are life. They are light over that person. And so that darkness that is within them gets a taste of God's light. And so they begin to turn towards God's goodness because they hear the words that are coming out of your mouth that are a representative of what God would say to them. And so you, by choosing to speak words of life, you can begin to claim back that darkness. You can begin to claim back the territory that we've lost. You can begin to claim back that territory and win the battle for Jesus. And so I know it's kind of hard sometimes to control what we say. But the good news is, is that we can train ourselves. We can tame our tongue. But the first step is that we have to, we have to fight and we have to engage in the battle. Because you'll never win a battle that you don't engage in. And so James 3.10 says this. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise. One minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. And James is giving us the answer in here and how we can control what we say. And you're like, Alyssa, what do figs and grapevines and all that have to do with any of it? What he's saying is that you can't get fresh water and bitter water. You can't get salt water and clean water out of the same spring. Just like you can't have nice words. You can't have uplifting words. You can't have life-giving words whenever you have an impure heart. Whenever your heart is full of anger or bitterness or hatred, you can't speak that life if you have darkness in that heart of yours. Because our words are just a reflection of what's going on in our heart. So the second point I have for you is the source of your words is the health of your heart. The source of your words is the health of your heart. So in order for us to change our words, we need to change our heart. So if you're jealous, if you're mean, if you're saying nasty things, if you're swearing at people, if you're making fun of people, it's because there's something inside of you that isn't whole. There's something inside of you that isn't healthy. But God loves you too much to leave you like that because he knows if we stay in that condition, we won't live the life fully that he's called us to. We won't be exactly what he knows that we can measure up to. And he knows that it will continue to cause us strife. He doesn't want us to just change because he wants us to be in this perfect box. He wants us to change because he wants what's best for us. He wants us to have the best life. He wants our heart to be filled with his love, with his goodness. He doesn't want it to be filled with the impurities of this world. And he says, come to me, and I'm the one that will change your heart. So you guys, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be the ones that goes wherever. Maybe if he leads you to go to counseling or something, that's awesome. But he is the one that as you spend time with him, as you go to him, as you ask him, God, what is it that's going on in my heart? He will heal those places. He will mend places in your heart. He will show you things that need to change in your heart. And he'll expose you to his love and his goodness. Because as that stuff comes out of our heart that shouldn't be there, he replaces it with his goodness. He replaces it with his love. So that instead of us cursing, instead of us talking bad about people, instead of us talking hate over people, we instead we begin to pour out his love because it's already inside of us. So my last point is this, and the worship team can come out, is walk in love every day. 
walk in love every day. Romans 12, 9 and 16 says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. So this verse is saying that you're walking in wisdom when you see yourself getting along with others. And I'm not talking about your haters. There's going to be people that oppose you. There's going to be naysayers in your life. As a Christian, we will always have opposition from the enemy. I'm not talking about those people. But I'm saying it should concern you if you're a Christian and you can't get along with others. I've had people tell me as Christians that they don't like people. And I'm like, what? We are called to love people. The greatest commandment is to love God and love other people. So our very thing that we are supposed to do is love people. We're not supposed to be standoffish. We're not supposed to be difficult. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be serving. We're supposed to come and connect with the people that are in the corner, the people that are the most difficult to love. That is what we are supposed to do as Christians. We are called to love. And if we're not loving, it's because there's something going on on the inside of us. But guys, I want you to know that if you struggle with loving people, that there's a God who has perfect love. And he can be that example for you. That when you go to him, and if you've ever encountered that love, where you know that love that is the most accepting love of all, it tells you that I love you even though you have your weaknesses, even though you have your flaws, even though you struggle in this area, I love you. And whenever you mess up, I'm going to extend you forgiveness because I'm forgiving. And whenever you mess up again, I'm going to be merciful. And whenever you fall down, I'm going to pick you up because I love you that much. And I'm not going to let you stay in the condition that you're in because I love you and I want what's best for you. And whenever you encounter that sweet love, Whenever you come into contact with Jesus and you go face to face with him and you feel that love, whenever you experience that mercy, when you experience that forgiveness and you remember what it's like to be that person that messes up over and over again, that person that is undeserving, that person that isn't good enough, but he, give, he shows you that you are valued and you are good enough. You are able to extend that same love to other people. You're able to go up to that person that's messed up, that's talked bad about you, and you're able to love them because you've messed up too. You're able to go up to that person that nobody wants to talk to because you know that you yourself are flawed, but you're going to love them anyways. And you know that every person you come into contact with, loves Jesus loves them. So you're going to love them too. And so guys, as we walk around, as we love on other people, that is what changes people. The Bible said it's the goodness of God that brings people to Jesus. It is not our rules. It is not how many times we go to church. It is not how many Bible verses we know. It is God's goodness. And each of you in here are a representative of Christ. Everybody you come into contact with, you represent Jesus. So I'm telling you guys, because I know all of you are, you guys are all this. You are all leaders. You are all called to be world changers. Each and every single person in here, you are going to be different from the rest of the world because you have God on the inside of you. You have power on the inside of you that you didn't even know about. You have a love on the inside of you that you didn't even know about. So everywhere your feet walk, you have God with you, and you carry his spirit with you, and you will be light in a dark world.
And so I know and I'm excited as you guys walk this out, as you guys take this information and you live it out, because it's no good if you just hear it. Nothing changes if you hear something but do nothing with it. It only changes if you decide to do something with it. And I know that you guys, you guys are bigger, you guys are better, and that you guys are going to go out and you're going to change the world. So I'm going to ask you guys to come up. We're going to go back into worship. And I just encourage you. I don't know where you're at with your walk with God. I don't know what your relationship with him looks like. Come close. I don't spit. Maybe I do. I don't know. I try not to. Just come up close. But guys, God is here. We don't do this to entertain you. We do this so you can encounter him. And he's here and he is waiting for you. And so if you've never encountered God, if you like, I don't even know this love that you're talking about, Alyssa. Well, this is your chance. During worship, you raise your hands and you focus on him and you ask God to show up. You ask God to reveal himself. And I can tell you without a doubt that he will because he's pretty awesome and he does pretty cool things. But if you know that love, and maybe you're like, I can do better in this area. I can show his love better. I can speak his love better. Then I'm going to ask you to ask God for him to show you what is in your heart that maybe his love needs to cleanse, that his love needs to take care of. So each of you have something to do during worship. So I don't want to see any talking. I don't want to see any goofing off because this time is sacred. And these moments are what count. This is what counts. So I'm going to ask the lights to be dimmed. If you guys just go ahead, close your eyes. We're just going to get in a state of expectation, knowing that God is here. He's showing up. He's going to show things to you that you didn't know. He's going to reveal himself in a way that he's never revealed himself to you. So close your eyes and lift your hands. It's an act of surrender of saying, God, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. I want what you have for me today. And I'm all in and I'm focused on you. This is our moment. I'm not going to be distracted, but I'm going to be focused and I'm going to be waiting and expecting. 